It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. I'm Teresa. And I'm Colleen. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. Welcome to Tangential Inspiration. Hello. This is Teresa. This is Colleen. Sorry, we didn't have anything <laughs> last week. It was crazy here in the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Oh my well, gosh. neither of us could leave our houses. <laughs> yes. Teresa and I both have cars that aren't <laughs> yes. great in the snow, that's for sure. And Teresa isn't great at driving in the snow. Well, there no, are other me neither. Cars, so I'm fine <laughs> if I'm by myself. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just an ice rink. Yes. Not snow, it was an ice rink here, mm-hmm. so... We're not mm-hmm. used to that. So. I mean, although, you know, a lot of people make fun of us in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. but we really don't get snow here. We get no. ice. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And we live, you and I do live in a hilly mm-hmm. area. Yes. I mean, just from my house to your house, I can think of two or three hills. Yeah. Even though they're not huge hills, it is hilly. Well, just with oh. all the gravel that's on them now, that tells me I that they're hilly. I did notice that I was spinning out yeah. today. <laughs> with all the gravel. Yeah. Uh, my neighbor Colleen was really excited to leave. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> my husband did work at home all week, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> my neighbor's truck, um, my husband came upstairs while I was working. So I always work at home, but he worked at right. home because he does have quite a long commute. Right. Yeah. Um, so he was working at home and all of a sudden he looked across the street to our neighbor's house. Our driveway is flat, but our neighbor's is a little bit more sloped. Mm-hmm. His truck had had slid out of his driveway. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Not all the way into the street, but enough to That's where it covered him. the sidewalk. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and apparently he came out, moved it up a little bit more and it slid back Again. down. So that is how slippery it was. And yeah. he has like a four wheel drive yeah. truck. Truck. Heavy. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And it well, slid. I felt like so. the lady on Bewitched because I kept peeking out the window. Is it better yet? Is anyone driving on the street? But, yeah. And you live, I mean, you live in a hilly. Yeah, very hilly. Too. Yeah. 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 I mean, and your driveway is kind of treacherous. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The driveway is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, our driveway yeah. is flat and I wouldn't have, I didn't want to pull my car. Well, my car was just also really just surrounded by ice because I hadn't yeah. moved it. I just, My yeah. car had icicles on it. Oh, I sent a little video to my mom. I'm like, I just noticed my car has little icicles on it. Cute. <laughs> it was crazy here. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So that's why we didn't have an episode last yeah, week. I guess we could have Zoomed. Yeah. And then, yeah. But today I'm going to talk about a woman named Lola Green Baldwin. Okay. Who was, um, she's credited in many areas as being the first policewoman in the United States. That I'll kind of get into that. So anyway, she's one of the early police women in America. Okay. And you know, as we know, the airlines have been in the news a lot. I actually have some good things that are happening happening in in an airport and on an airplane. Oh, I'm excited. Some good news. Yes. Yes. So on December 3rd, 2013... The San Francisco airport launched a program titled the WAG Brigade. Have you heard about this? Oh my gosh, no, but I'm already excited. (laughs) This was to bring trained dogs to the terminals Mm -hmm. to make passengers more enjoyable. So SFO, which you're going to hear me talk about, is actually the San Francisco airport. That's their call sign. Right. 
So the San Francisco Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, it's the SPCA, brought dogs certified through their animal-assisted therapy program to roam the terminals. Oh, I know. So this started in 2013? 2013. Oh, wow. Carefully selected for their temperament and airport suitability, the animals wear vests that say pet me. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. How did I not run into any of those? The reason oh, that I knew about the program, dun, dun, I'm going to drum roll, is because they added a cat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. In December 2023, okay. they added a cat. And it was so funny because my oldest daughter flew out of San Francisco mm-hmm. when she came right. for Christmas. And she was like, I looked for the pets Fluffy. and I didn't yeah. see them. So I'm going to tell you how to find them oh, okay. if you fly through San Francisco when we get to the end. So the cat that they added is 14 years old and his name is Duke. Mm. And he was discovered starving in a San Francisco feral cat colony. And after a short stint at the San Francisco Animal Care and Control, a young human decided that he was going to take care of him. And Duke immediately took to his new family and it quickly became clear to his new guardians that he was a very special cat. Like he was just extra sweet and chill. And they just really felt like this cat would make an awesome therapy cat and so he became certified as an animal therapist (laughs) helping humans of all ages deal with stress yes for cats he is yeah but he helps humans of all ages deal with stress illness hardship and putting smiles on their faces when they need it most as a cat lady or a, as I say, dedicated feline enthusiast, I love <laughs> I don't bringing think that's Duke up first. I know. <laughs> I know. But the, like I said, the program actually started with first dogs in mind. Mm-hmm. And here are some you may meet. There's Brixton, who attended circus school. <laughs> and he's been working with children at the Boys and Girls oh School gosh. in San Francisco, as well as the, as the Salvation Army After School Program. And he is quite popular at all the universities, helping to distress students during finals. I could see that. Totally. There's another one named Chanel. She is a six-pound miniature cockapoo. Oh. She's a cross-breed bred from a mini cocker spaniel and mini poodle. And she loves meeting people and being in the spotlight. (laughs) She goes to restaurants on the weekends, serves as a good shopping buddy, and strolls in the woods and marinas in the afternoon. She is fearless and makes friends with all animals, even dogs that are 20 times bigger than hers, than her. And she's a fashionista and wears all different (laughs) outfits. There's even one named Fonzie. I thought you'd love this this dog. That's hilarious. There's a Yorkie. That's one of my favorite kinds of dogs. And he's actually a Maltese Yorkie mix. So Mm -hmm. that's called a Morkie. (laughs) I love love his names. His name is George. And he loves... George the Morky. George the Morky. (laughs) He loves meeting new people, snuggling, and traveling to new places. And SFO is almost like his second home. And he loves greeting passengers and showing them around the airport. And there was one... He looked like a golden retriever to me, and his name is Indiana Jones. Oh my gosh, that's adorable. I love it too. His friends call him Indy. (laughs) He says he's a therapy dog by night and a barkeologist by night. I'm sorry. He's a, yeah, therapy dog by day, a barkeologist by night. Jackson, a miniature Australian shepherd. And he says he continues to break bread stereotypes by being unusually chill and easygoing. I just loved it. Leah is a corgi. 
And there's Luna, who's a greyhound. And, oh, I, I thought you'd love this one. Noodles is an extra large golden doodle who was rescued in San Francisco as a puppy, thinking of Buddy the Elf as a dog, and that is Noodles. <laughs> Smiling is my favorite. <laughs> Lilu is the first certified piggy. Oh, wow. She joined in 2016. She's a proud city pig that brings smiles and positivity everywhere she goes. She's hypoallergenic. Oh, okay. Yep. She Still can, not getting a pig, but... Yep. She can greet you, but she would put a smile on your yeah. face if you saw her at the airport. I'm not sure. Well, she will perform <laughs> with her like, toy yeah. piano. Oh, my god! And bow at the end. So oh, okay. Then, I'm yes, sorry. You would. need to smile. <laughs> she likes to twirl and can stand up on her back hooves. Oh, my gosh. She can run a figure eight. Oh, that's cute. And push the ball with her snout. And she even wags her tail. <laughs> so I just had to follow their Instagram because I'm sure at some point with my daughter, I will be traveling through the San Francisco yeah. airport. And so their Instagram is SFO Wag Brigade. And if you're traveling through SFO, just get on there and you can see who is there mm-hmm. and what terminal they're right. in. So okay. I was looking at it. And so it will say, like, I'm in Terminal 2. I'm in Terminal 3. And so I was like, if I'm travel- traveling through SFO, that's what I'm going to do. Is I'm I can see, see Colleen looking ahead. And- yeah. <laughs> so my daughter was really upset <laughs> because she's the one that told me about this. And she's like, I was looking for them and I didn't, I didn't see any of them. I think she really wants to see the cat. She's yeah. a big cat person. So... I'm going to make sure that I direct her to the Instagram so that when she's traveling, she'll know where she can, she out. can make sure. Oh, that's so see sweet. Duke. But she does like dogs too. Yeah. So, but I think really yeah. she wanted to, to see, see this cat. cat that yeah. had just joined yes. that month. Yeah. And um, if you go to their Instagram, you can see the cat. He's like dressed up like a little like flight attendant, more old fashioned, <laughs> like little hat, you know, more of like the old fashioned flight attendant, <laughs> yes. but it's adorable. Oh, and, you know, I just thought that would be really cool to go to the airport, especially <laughs> if you have like a long layover or something and just go on their Instagram and walk around and find some oh, cute pets. I'm totally and, laughing that we sound um, like the ladies on SNL when we're talking about cats dressing up. I know. But that's awesome. I love I that. That's a great way to get people to relax at the airport. For yeah. Sure. Have you been to Lola's at Crystal Ballroom? No. Okay. No. So there's a place in downtown Portland called the Crystal Ballroom. Right. It's a bar with like a floating dance floor and okay. a concert venue. They, I mean, it's just a remarkable old building. Okay. The architecture alone just leaves you in awe. And on the second floor of Crystal Ballroom, there's a smaller bar area that they occasionally host different things like 80s night. Or, oh, fun. Um, that's when I've been there with the 80s oh, night okay. type thing. Okay. They have videos on a screen for people to relive their youth and dance. <laughs> so I've been to Lola's a number of times and had no idea that it was named after Portland's first female police officer. Oh. I know. Wow. How did you figure that out? Well, when we were looking at this book, well, okay, so back up. I was watching also Oregon Experience. They have a special on Lola. Okay. Green Baldwin. Okay. And it talked about several things, including a doctor named Esther Lovejoy. Okay. So I was like, oh, I wonder if that's what 
the Lovejoy Street came from. I looked it up, sadly, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. But then I got to thinking about Lola, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if Lola's is what Crystal Ballroom, because most of the McMinimum's buildings are older buildings. Is Crystal Ballroom part of McMinimum's? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think I forget that that one is. Yeah. Okay. So they have a great website where you can actually, I went and watched an interview with the grandchildren of Lola Green Baldwin, kind of, you know, just talking about their grandma at Lola's. So I guess McMinimums has a historian. Oh, cool. Yeah. If you don't know what McMinimums is, because I think that's more of a Northwest thing. Yeah, I think so too. Um, They're a family here. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they take old buildings. They've done some schools. Mm -hmm. And they turn them into really like a bunch of pubs or movie theaters. Cool. Um, Like trendier. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they changed an old school, like the Kennedy School, mm-hmm. has a bunch of different pubs in it. Does it have a couple theaters? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it has some hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. They'll have, like, maybe even, like, a little pool. Mm-hmm. So, like, Edgefield. Right. Um, they do a lot of concerts. That's like right. Like, big concerts. And That's then they true. have I forgot about the that. hotel rooms. And, mm-hmm. you know, so people can stay. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, that big assisted living. Was that an assisted living out there in Cornelius? Oh, um, Grand Lodge? Forest Grove. Wow. Oh, I don't know. Like that's a, huge. Yeah, that used to be like, uh, I hate saying old folks home. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. that's the, really the PC mm-hmm. thing. It was more of an assisted living. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Wow, that's hotel huge room. Then. Yeah, My friend that. got married there. Oh. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, but yeah, it's just huge. They're all, there. most of them are very old buildings. And the mm-hmm. thing that's cool about them is the stories right. that the buildings tell. Because I wonder, you know, I suspect a lot of those buildings would have been bulldozed by now. Mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. That's the great thing about right. the McMinimums coming in and, and doing what they've done. Right. Right. So, so there you go. There's um, a little history yeah. on the McMinimums <laughs> if you're not from the Northwest. Yes. Because yes. I think that you might yeah. not know what Just, we're talking oh, absolutely. about. That yeah. the McMinimums have come in and, yeah. and, and done some cool things. I love walking around those buildings, too, because they do really neat. Like, a lot of times they'll do artwork. This space in the area. Right. And the other cool thing that they do is like a, a beer passport. So right. you'll go to different McMinimums and have your mm-hmm. your passport stamped. Right. So it's just kind of a fun way I, to get out. I love also how they have, like, really neat pictures on the walls from that era. Old, yeah, old pictures. Um, the one out in Forest Grove has, like, really neat furniture in it that's mm-hmm. still from that era, mm-hmm. some of it. So it's, yeah. it's neat They're what fun. they've done. They're mm-hmm. very fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the Pacific Northwest, you need to check out a... Visit a McMinimums. Yeah. Yep. So what's kind of funny about the whole thing is that Lola Green Baldwin wasn't just Portland's first female police officer. She was a staunch opponent of jazz music, (laughs) uh, dance halls, and anything in the era during that era that she viewed as, you know, quoting ACDC, Highway to Hell. (laughs) She thought a lot of the stuff was... Wow. You know, they were going to... I think that jazz seems pretty mellow to me Oh, my me gosh, no. It, it might encourage dancing and definitely, definitely no dancing. She was very, very conservative. And this was during the progressive era. Right. And she's having a really hard time. So it's pretty funny that this room is named after someone who would have fought against yeah. its very existence. And actually... Right. Probably would have not hung out there. <laughs> definitely not. No. And the thing that's funny in that um, interview with the kids... With the grandkids, at one point, she had closed the Crystal Ballroom. It wasn't called the Crystal Ballroom <laughs> right, that time, right, but she closed right. it because of dancing. So the owner, what they did is they made these ships out on the river where mm-hmm. they could, you know, just go on the river and 
dance and do, you know, drink and do whatever they wanted. Right. But she had actually closed the crystal ballroom back in the day. So did they not, were they not allowed to go out? They eventually on closed the river? that down too. Okay. Because I was thinking, are the police not, is that not their jurisdiction out they, on the river? They, they did eventually close those down. And okay. the other thing that's hilarious with that is that the grandson ended up working on one of those ships as some type of, you know, I don't, it wasn't like a bartender, but some right. type of, you know, a doorman or something like that. <laughs> I don't think it was that. But, um, so it's just, I think that's so funny. Yes. Like I said, McMinimums has a historian, and he joked that they're kind of poking fun at Lola Baldwin. And that presentation with his her grandchildren included telling more of the story yes. of this amazing woman who broke barriers to fight for what she believed in. And right. that's why I admire and yes. am inspired by Lola Green Baldwin. Because really, totally, they were like none of the pictures. They had one picture of her smiling. <laughs> and I do think it's kind of the era. I agree. I but um, the, the granddaughter, I think it's really sad that all of their memories are of this staunch, strict, mm-hmm. you know, woman mm-hmm. never laughing or having, quote, you know, air quotes, fun. Yeah. So, Sense of humor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes. Like, one of my favorite things is to purse the books at Goodwill or Powell's. That's yes. another Northwest thing, mm-hmm. our um, bookstore that is not only you can get new books there, but they also have used books. And it's huge. Yes. So I guess anywhere really. I try it is to buy. really a landmark, isn't it? it is. I mean, I would, I would, I feel like it's a landmark. Yeah. People need to visit Powell's when right. they come. Yeah. Right. Every time we go to Manzanita, I try to buy a book in the bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, and Craig, my husband, found this gem one day called "A Municipal Mother: Portland's Lola Green Baldwin, America's First Policewoman," and it's by um, Gloria Myers. She, it's actually like her, her thesis, I think, for oh, wow. she got her master's in history at Portland State. It's very, very dense. That's why I ended up watching more so and kind of... It is. It is um, It is small writing. <laughs> it's very small font. Yes. I, I'm yes. looking at yes. it, just so you know. That is a small font. Yes. It's a small book, but it's small font. <laughs> yes. It is dense. Yes. I think that's a good... Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> but it shares Baldwin's pioneering crusade against vice, deviance, and corruption in the City of Roses during the progressive era of America. You have to remember, this was a time where Portland was terrible. We had Shanghai's, um, just a lot of people coming in and not really settling down, I guess, here. And so we had a lot, we just had a lot of problems in Portland. So one (laughs) little side note. Lola wasn't actually America's first policewoman. Technically, Marie Owens was an officer in Chicago beginning in 1891. Okay. 1891. Wow. I know. And Alice Stebbins-Wells joined the Los Angeles Police Department in 1910. So Owens was actually Canadian and the daughter of Irish immigrants. She mostly worked as a female health inspector before she became a police officer, and she okay. continued that work as Sergeant 97 in the police department, but primarily focused on child labor and welfare laws. Hmm. So besides Mary Owens, who she was sworn in back in, you know, like I said, 1891, right. it was Alice Stebbins Wells. She was from Kansas. And the thing that's, I was thought was kind of funny. She actually was a minister. Oh yes. Prior to being mm-hmm. sworn into the LA police department. And she had to fight and petition to become a police officer. She was assigned to the civil service department, which is no surprise because she was a woman, but 
even though she had an official officer with a badge, she wasn't allowed to have a gun. Oh, jeez. So she's got a badge, but no gun. She was given a telephone box, a police rule book, a first aid book, which I'd love to see both of those. Yes. And a policewoman's badge, number one. She had sewn her own uniform, the first... I mean, that was the first female. That's the cutest uniform. I'm sure it is, too. And people can Best go. Best fitting. <laughs> um, it was a khaki-colored, floor-length, no surprise, dress with a jacket. And apparently there's a replication okay. on display at the L.A. Police Historical Society Museum. That's awesome. So she began her career supervising skating rinks, like I said, any place that, wow. you know. Yeah. Nefarious stuff might happen. Yes. Um, dance halls and interacting with female members of the public. She always advocated for more female officers, arguing that women officers helped youth in need. Yep. And women who might not feel comfortable, like I said, interacting with a male officer. Right. right. She became exactly. the founder and president of the International Police Women's Association, and she traveled throughout America and Canada to promote female officers. So, phew. Yes. All of that, just to say that Lola, Lola Green Baldwin might not have technically been the first policewoman, but she was definitely one of the early ones. Right. And, most and the definitely, first one in yes, Portland. Yes, exactly. Right. Clearly. Aurora Lola Green was born in New York, and she grew up primarily in Rochester. Her parents were Irish Protestants. That's probably where she got the (laughs) strict. They enrolled her in New York's Christ Church Episcopal School for Girls. So that's likely where her strict religious stemmed from. Sure, sure, sure. Her father sadly died in 1877, so she would have been 17, Mm. and she had to withdraw from school to get work oh right did in the day right um she finished her studies on her own and she passed the new york state qualifying exam for teachers okay so um she would teach in rochester until 1880 and then she went to nebraska so probably around 20 years old okay she taught in nebraska until 1884 when she met and married legrand Baldwin, you have to be something pretty special to be named Legrand. Fancy. (laughs) Exactly. He was a dry goods merchant from Vermont. So, customary at the time, when a single woman who's a teacher gets married, they step down. Oh. They would have. Okay. Okay. So that she. No longer can work, basically. Well, she worked, but no longer a teacher in the teaching position. Oh, okay. Okay. Reminds me of Little House, because remember when she takes the state exam? Yes. I don't know why I just sang that. (laughs) I've been (laughs) singing a lot of stuff. I love that. So Lola found clerical work and volunteered as a social worker focused on helping wayward girls. With all of their moves, Baldwin still worked to help lost girls. They travel a lot with, you know, just different homes okay. with his his work. Okay. She volunteered and served on boards of two Florence Crichton homes. That's a national network of rescue homes for unfortunate lost girls, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. prostitutes and unwed mothers. Okay. And you do have to remember that a lot of these ladies came here and they didn't, you know, if there aren't jobs, they're desperate. They're right. hungry. In 1904, Portland was preparing for the Lewis and Clark Centennial Exposition to be held in 1905. Okay. They were concerned with the possible influx of criminals to the city. It was feared that young women and girls would be targeted and lured or coerced into prostitution. 
So in preparation, many local groups, both secular and religious, made plans to prevent the sexual exploitation of young women during the fair. The the granddaughter did say that part of why she was so strict about this and coming out here that some women, they were disappearing, you right. know, some young ladies. So right. really right. was a problem. Right, right. And I know that happened during the Chicago World's yes. Fair, too, from what I remember. Yes. I can't remember what year that was, but yeah. lots of people disappeared during yeah. that time. And a lot of them so. were just with that one guy. Yes, Yes. Can't remember his name. I can't either, but I know okay. exactly I was who you're talking yeah. about. But, um, um, yes, it was an with issue. That, home. Yeah. So. so it was funds provided by the Traveler's Aid Society, and that just kind of cracks me up because it reminds me of the episode of Lucy where she has the female overseas aid mm-hmm. or women overseas aid. Yep. So she makes this fake charity. <laughs> um, so the whole reason Lucy was able to do that is it really was a thing right. back in the day. Okay, by the way, that guy's last name was Holmes. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry, random yeah. thoughts. But, yes, it was a yes. problem Yes, back then. Yes. Um, thanks. That would have bugged me. And if you need to Google that, just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was funds provided by the Traveler's Aid Society that allowed the YWCA to hire Baldwin as a project supervisor to mm. keep young women safe during the expo. So Baldwin and her ladies compiled lists of local lodging areas and workplaces that they felt were safe for young women coming to the city. Okay. I was wondering, like, what's the plan? Yeah. yeah. Like, how are we keeping these women safe? What's the plan? (laughs) So these volunteers would meet these young girls at Union Station, the the train station. As they get off the train. Yeah, as they got off the train. Okay. And other points of entry into the city. And they, you know, provide safe suggestions for lodging and employment. In some instances, they were even given meal vouchers, which I think is really smart. Yes. So the volunteers would patrol the exposition, risque slideshows, dimly lit structure, you know, any dimly lit structure or building, which doesn't sound safe to me. No. It said they would check the beer garden. It sounded like there was a beer garden in Portland. And even the carnival shooting gallery, I guess, could be danger. Danger. Interesting. Baldwin reported that they had helped... 1,640 women and girls in various ways, including finding safe jobs for more than 500, which is pretty dang impressive. Yes. She also kept meticulous notes, apparently, (laughs) which actually doesn't surprise me. Right. After the fair ended, she continued to work for the Traveler's Aid branch based at the YWCA, and for three years, she did similar work, especially helping runaways and women with legal troubles. The mayor, his name was Harry Lane, and the Portland Police Department wanted to have Baldwin working for them, but city council kept saying they didn't have the money. So she said, you know, let me take a look. So she looks at their expenses. Let me audit your expenses. (laughs) She pretty much did. That's what I'm saying. So she's like, there's like $6,000 going to, you know, some type of animal care. Okay. And so she convinced them that people are just as important as animals, so she got like $3,000. She, they have to. And, um, so they created a fund called the women's auxiliary to the police department for the protection of girls. Thank goodness. It was later named women's protection division. (laughs) It was. (laughs) And on April 1st, which I'm wondering if that was planned, 1908 Baldwin was sworn in as a superintendent of the auxiliary. Her rank was detective. Yes. Which I think is awesome. Yes. I always wanted to be a police officer. Really? That's why I, this is all, yeah. Okay. That's why Craig picked this up and is like, this is perfect. Yes. Yeah. 
Her work focused on the protection of women and continued until 1922. She lobbied for laws to protect women, urged state officials to open a house for troubled women, and advised other states and cities on women's law enforcement issues. Because of her accomplishments, she proved that women could be effective police officers. Sure. She retired in 1922. She was only 62. And um, in her 1921 annual report, she was very upset with what she viewed as the overall lowering of moral standards. Mm -hmm. According to Baldwin, it was evidenced in tobacco smoking by women, increased juvenile delinquency, and the rise of flapper bad girl dress and behavior. (laughs) And you have to remember, this is, you know, Pretty much right after World War I. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me that people were, you know, kind of letting loose. Yeah. Yep. She still continued her work. She lectured on venereal disease and vice for the Oregon Social Hygiene Society, which was a big thing in this time. Huh. Social hygiene. Right. Because, um, like, right before World War I, they were nervous about soldiers have, being able to fight in the war, okay, being healthy enough to fight, so they they didn't want these soldiers to have STDs and not be able to fight sure. in the war. So sure. she probably saw this, you know, as a way of her yeah. helping yeah. with that too. And um, there is diseases that oh, if they get further, they yeah, yeah. they are, they will kill you. Yeah, exactly. yeah, especially back in this day. Right, right, right. She traveled to other cities to encourage formation of women's police divisions. She served on the Oregon Parole Board, as well as the National Committee of Prisons and Prison Labor, and continued to support the Women's Protective Division of the Portland Police. I just think they need to make a movie about Lola Baldwin. I know. (laughs) I can just picture this little old lady, because she was very tiny, out in the red light district trying to keep women safe. Her granddaughter talked about one time they were in her office and this man came in with a gun and he was mad about something and he said he was going to shoot her and he, and she responded, you know, go ahead and shoot me. My work will carry on. And the guy just turned around <laughs> and left. I was trying to think of who we could get to play her. Would it be oh like Estelle Getty? Or maybe <laughs> she's passed yes. on. Yes. But all I could think about was this little yes. tiny, tough little fireball little yeah. woman. Yeah. But I was trying to think of somebody today who I was thinking yeah. would be itty bitty Some like little, that. And yeah. Rhea Perlman. Yeah, could is she? She's, is she still alive? Yeah, I think yeah, she's still wasn't around. she in Barbie? Yeah, I'm not sure. But I was just trying to think of, like, yeah. somebody tiny and a tough. firecracker. Yes, yeah. a little firecracker. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing that just cracked me up, they must have had a parrot for a time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She was a, like, champion horseshoe player. Okay. Which is hilarious. <laughs> but she also had a parrot for a short time because apparently the parrot would say, what the hell? <laughs> and so she was like, no. No Ooh. swearing aloud. So... The parrot was gone, according to the the interview with the grandchildren. Mm, the parrot went to a happier home. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. If I'm hoping she gave them away, but Joe was his name. The best story that she, the granddaughter, told was, um, and she didn't know if she was headed down to San Francisco to catch this guy, but either way, she was down in San Francisco, and there was a thief that they wanted from up here. Okay. And she convinced him to coming to come back okay. and turn himself in. So she got the reward money for bringing this guy Excellent. in. She didn't keep it. Well, I guess technically she did, but she kept his family. She used that money to take care of his family while he was in prison. Wow. So, you know, very kind, very thoughtful. For a woman that kind of comes ag- 
across his grumpy, like super thoughtful, super kind. Yeah, you just don't know doing the right thing. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. You just Mm -hmm. don't know what's underneath there, right? And we've learned a lot since Lola's day, but sadly, there still is human trafficking. Yes, women who still feel stuck in unsafe relationships Mm -hmm. and abused or neglected children who turn to drugs in order to escape the pains of life. I think Lola was onto something. She cared enough to give the troubled her attention. Right. To try to educate the importance of seeking out the troubled. And most importantly, that women could be effective police officers. Absolutely. They could take care of business. Yep. There's certainly things that I disagree with Lola about for sure. Sure. But I do admire her tenacity and her determination. She wanted to make Portland a better place. A safer place. Exactly. Right. And just like any city, we might not know exactly how to do that, but at least she was willing to roll up her sleeves and do her part. Right. She just wanted to make her city the best it could be, and I I think we all want that. Exactly. We do. Exactly. And more of us need to be like Lola. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily in going down to the Red District. I know. (laughs) Right. But, um, I mean, I do want Portland to be a good city. Cleaning it up. Yeah. So from our point in, you know, 2024, it's right. kind of funny that something like women smoking tobacco would upset her so much because <laughs> that's nothing I know. In, by today's standards. Right. Although it's not healthy, don't do no, it. No, 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 no. I'm not saying <laughs> definitely not something I encourage at right. all, but there's a lot worse out there. Absolutely. But at the same time, that's what makes the world better. Not just having an opinion. Because we all do, but having conversations and addressing problem issues. Right. We need people like Lola Baldwin who are willing to go out there, who aren't afraid to do what they feel is right, to initiate discussions and work to improve our cities, our country, our world. She had moxie, for sure, (laughs) and I want that. She was a police officer. Talk about just a tough cookie. Right. I don't know. I'm not not that brave. (laughs) I'm not that brave. <laughs> not if I just get a notepad. and Right. Um, the other thing that I thought was hilarious is, so she had this, you know, number 33. The kids, the grandkids have the badge. Okay. She wouldn't wear it oh. because that wasn't ladylike. She carried oh. it in her purse. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> so, yeah. She, this flashy she, brooch <laughs> is yes, not yes, appropriate. Yes. Um, <laughs> and she did wear two little lapel pins mm-hmm. that because she also worked for federally mm-hmm. because she would go in and, you know, investigate with soldier issues and whatnot. So she was, she did have those federal pins, but <laughs> she would wear those, but not her badge. In 1912, Louise Bryant wrote about Baldwin in the Sunset Magazine and described her as a municipal mother. And I think that's pretty much, you know, like the most too. accurate explanation right name for her. Right. she had that motherly instinct and you know to her everything was black and white mm-hmm. right or wrong and she gave her city some tough love mm-hmm. i think that her city could use a little bit more <laughs> tough love or something <laughs> or something i love love i you know i love our city i love our I city do too, but, but but it does need it needs some tough love it does so it does. now every time i go to lola's you Come know. back, Lola. Yeah, you know who I'm going to think of. <laughs> yes, me too. Lola Baldwin. Yes. You know, speaking of airports, like we were talking mm-hmm. about at the beginning, I can personally say that the lately the whole airline and airport situation has put my anxiousness through mm. the ringer. My younger daughter was trying to get to Florida, 
And, you know, a couple nights before we looked at her flight and she wasn't flying on one of those Air Maxes Mm -hmm. that they've been canceling all over the place. And then all of a sudden she was flying on one and then it canceled and there was 20 girls on this flight. Oh my gosh. So the night before you've canceled a group of 20 girls flights trying to get to Florida. It's very stressful. Yeah. And I can't it, figure out why your anxiety <laughs> has kicked up. Uh, and then um, instead of having a direct flight, they ended up having to fly through uh, Phoenix and Kentucky and then to Florida. Phoenix and Kentucky and mm-hmm. Florida. Okay. And I'm at home That's a long thinking. a flight anyway. It's like five well, hours from here anyway. Right. And then I'm thinking with all these delays and everything else, are they even going to make those connections? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, later on, I actually found out they were staying on the same plane. Just Go. stopping. Just and stopping. And picking up other people. Yeah. And I thought, well, <sighs> you know, could be worse, right? So, you know. Yeah. I guess I, I... I'm, I'm sure that the airline employees have been through the ringer on oh, all I'm of this. Certain, um, yeah. Really, it's not their fault. No. Jeff and I were having a discussion the other night on who to blame <laughs> <laughs> for all of this. Um, I just can't imagine the stress and pressure of these these poor employees. So um, I was glad to present these stories about um, these Good three things that I have seen happen. So... Um, This is a really cute story about the Levine family from Hoboken, New Jersey, and they were going to Cabo San Lucas for a vacation, and they were worried about how their five-month-old little girl would do on this flight. It's about a Mm five-hour flight, Mm -hmm. and her name is Romy. Oh, that's adorable. And she did awesome because she was mesmerized by the woman across the aisle that was crocheting. Oh. And this woman was crocheting. And really fast. Mm-hmm. And Romy's mom said her hands were moving a million miles an hour. And Romy was just obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And she said Romy is just one of those little girls that is... And she's only five months old, so she's pretty little. And her daughter is observant and very curious. And so the crocheting stranger, her name is Megan. She's actually from Villanova, Pennsylvania. And she said she was sitting in the aisle. And she noticed that... She's Romy was gazing at her mm-hmm. the entire flight. <laughs> yeah. And she said she was crocheting a sweater. And so she just her heart mel- melted. How could it not? I know. Yeah. And I also wanted to bring up because we do see a lot of stories. Uh, I mean, I see them personally. I love little kids. And I, I see a lot of people complain about babies yeah. and stuff on flight. Even though the baby's not doing anything wrong. Yeah. It's just the mere fact of I'm sitting next to a baby. And so I'm irate. Yeah. Um, and so I just really love this passenger who looked at this child with sweetness and delight. I love kids. <laughs> and so she immediately noticed this sweet little girl that was watching her. And so she actually began to crochet her a little beanie hat. Oh, my god! Mid-flight. And she said when she started it, she only had one hour left in the flight. And she said she was just crocheting like crazy. <laughs> and she said, I was worried I was going to run out of time. And she said, but I had this same color of yarn that matched her little outfit. And she said, I couldn't help it. I was like, this baby is getting something because she's too cute. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised they could do crochet needles on, on the flight. Yeah, I don't know. My mom had scissors. Well, yeah. 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 Confiscated, but yeah. They are, are they more of a doll, though? Or are they more of a hook? I don't know. I don't know. But I thought it was really, so, yeah. So. 
Yeah, Sorry. Barbara Lou is fine. Total tangent there. Yeah, just, and then um, I'm glad that she could do that. That's yeah, great. That's to Levine's, remember that's L- Romy's family. To the Levine family amazement, she presented them with this little surprise gift. And Kelly, who's Romy's mom, said she had never seen someone work so fast in her life. Aww. She said, "What a cool way to do something nice for a stranger and in turn light up everyone else's mood. Such a selfless act." The hat was a perfect fit. And this went viral. This is how I saw it, was 7 million views on oh TikTok. Oh, my gosh. Probably because I like looking at babies and yeah. cats, right? <laughs> um, the Levines felt blessed that their story has brought people so much joy because it's about generosity and kindness. Yeah. Ruben, she's the one that did the crochet, calls herself a beginner. And doesn't she, sound like I it. Know. If she had one hour left and I she know. whipped up that I beanie. Know. Me too. I was that's what I thought too. I was like, I think you're amazing. Yeah. And she said, I'm gonna crochet more things for Romy because that's her muse. That's oh what she my said. Gosh. I love that they're friends now. <laughs> I know. And she says, I'm happy to make this connection and make new friends. And she said they're such lovely people. And if you would like to support Gretchen in her crochet business, you can follow her on Instagram. Oh. She actually has a little business and it's called Crochet Obey. That's the name. It's at mm-hmm. Crochet Obey. And there you can also see an adorable picture of Romy wearing Aww. her perfectly fitting beanie (laughs) that matched her outfit from the flight that's right it's adorable enjoy (laughs) be courageous challenge orthodoxy stand up for what you believe in when you're in your rocking chair talking to your grandchildren many years from now be sure you have a good story to tell amal clooney we want to hear from you Please email us your thoughts, story ideas, or just say hi at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. Tell us about someone inspiring in your life and like or subscribe to our podcast. It helps us out and helps others find us. You can find more information about us at our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Follow us on Instagram at tangentialinspirationpodcast or find us on Facebook. Have a great week. Love, love, love.